Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And Johnny is not with us. Again. Once again. But you know, last time he wasn't with us, it went really well, so I have high hopes. <laughs> It's okay. We could say those be- things because Johnny doesn't listen to the podcast anyways. It's true. Even when he's... I understand, like, not listening when you're on it because you already know what happens, but even when he's not on it, he refuses to listen. Yeah. The, he probably just feels jealous when he's listening to us. Yeah, probably because we're just... have such a nice dynamic. Yeah. So, uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Ooh. Mm. Uh, today's episode is actually, in part, the main topic is actually a uh, a Patreon preview, if you will. Okay, a sneak peek, a little sneak, a peek. little behind the scenes a sneak peek. So, uh, so there's going to be three parts of what we're about to do. Oh, three okay? parts, and there and 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 different parts are going to be available on different platforms depending on what's going on. So let me explain. Let me explain. We're going to do a subpoint like we always do. That's mm-hmm. just going to be on the main episode of Theology Thursday this week. Okay? Yeah. We're going to move from that subpoint into a a whole nother podcast, okay, called the Theology Thursday Reading Hour, okay? This is a Patreon exclusive. Mind you, a Patreon tier 2 and 3 exclusive. Tier 1 don't have access Ooh. to the Theology Thursday Reading Hour, which only releases new episodes once a month. Okay, but I think they've been really good episodes. These um, are premium episodes. We've only done a few so far. And w- what happens on that show is we each share about a book that we've read over mm-hmm. the course of the past month. And then, uh, yeah, we, we review it, we discuss it. Um, and, and so what we're going to do is the main topic for everybody this week is going to be the first book on Theology Thursday Reading Hour which I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. It's Jesus and John Wayne. A lot of people talking about this book right now. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, important things to talk about from this book. Uh, so that'll be our main topic. So wait, I'm, I'm not talking about my book this week? No, 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 you are. Okay, cool. You cool. are. That's going to be the main topic. That's that's Everybody gets to listen to that. Okay. Now, only our Patreons, get our to tier hear two and three the Patreons, premium. get to hear the Full reading hour episode. Yes, the premium books that I read. Your book. Yeah. Um, you're going to be discussing The Making of Biblical Womanhood. Yes. By Dr. Beth Allison Barr. Yes. Now, people have been talking about both of these books together a lot as well and kind of how there's some similar themes and yeah. things covered. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think the full episode, so, so you know, for, for those who watch Reading Hour on Patreon this week, it doesn't have the subpoint. Okay, so the subpoint's special. That's... That's that's for you guys who are listening right now, okay? Our regular listeners who listen to the main episode, you guys are important too. So you still get something special, exclusive to you, and that's the sub-point. But then we'll do the main topic, which is basically half of this month's reading hour, which um, I think is really good because we... we uh, 
we may reference some things we're reading on the podcast, but we, mm-hmm. we never take episodes to go full in on it. And like I was really wanting to start doing book reviews yeah. on the channel, but I thought, you know, that might not be like a, a there might not be a ton of people who are into that. But some of our fans, fans who may even be willing to financially support us. Our true fans. Uh we want to make it available to you. We want to. We want you to join in on these conversations where we like dig a little deeper on what we're reading, because um, we figure most people probably don't care. But those of you who would be willing to support us on Patreon, maybe you do. So, I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fun. So, without further ado, let's get into the subplot. <laughs> was that supposed to be a drum roll? <laughs> Yeah, it was? Okay. That, yes, well, that sounded was. nothing like a drum roll. <laughs> I'm sorry. Very odd. Okay, okay, um, go into Subpoint. Uh, so the Subpoint, we're actually going to be talking about another podcast that also happens to very much line up with the topic of both of the books that we'll be discussing. Uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Oh, I've, been li- I've been listening to that. My Christianity Today. So, uh, basically... Going into uh, the controversial story of Mars Hill, and uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, that is the church that uh, Mark Driscoll founded and led for many years, uh, no longer exists, um, but he is still pastoring, he's still out there. Being, he's in Arizona now. Being Mark Driscoll, and uh, look, um, I think so far the show is very well done. It's like an NPR um, show. Yeah, it feels like an NPR show or like This American Life, that kind of thing where it, it, it's uh, just very well produced. Um, and I feel that it has so far done a pretty good job of showing some of the positive that came out of the ministry of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of... Um, and I think you, you need to have that part of the story to understand why people like were invested and why people stuck around. Yeah. Um, because Mark and his wife Grace like did some great things for people and at times were very compassionate and caring towards people. Um, but then you watch as like what kind of start out as red flags uh, sort of uh, progress into like really serious issues um, mm-hmm. just regarding you know abusive behavior and just really problematic teaching um, as well uh, from Mark Driscoll. So, Here's the reason I wanted to bring this up, okay? Because everybody's talking about this podcast right now. Um, my pastor brought it up the other day. A lot of people are listening to it and and thinking through it. And some people are coming out and saying, hey, this is wrong. Like, this whole thing is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this because we're slandering a fellow brother in Christ. Oh, okay. An interesting perspective. Okay. I, I wanted to kind of get your reaction to that. What do you What do you think? Do you think that's a fair assessment of what's happening with this podcast? Uh, do you think? Do I think this is slander? Yeah. No. Okay. Why not? Um. Well, <clears throat> I think that the the slander is when you're tr- you're 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 purposely spreading false things in order to tear somebody down. You know, here's here's what I'm seeing here is like this stuff's true. Right. And it it needs to be 
it needs to be brought to light um, because Mark Driscoll's story is not an isolated incident. Right. Like the things that the red flags that that we see in the Driscoll story, the Mars Hill story, like people are seeing that in other places too and have seen that in other places as well. Um, so it's this is not an isolated incident, and it's important to know the story because, it, I mean, it's like studying history, you know? Why, why, why would we study history? So we understand ourselves, we understand uh, what kind of times we live in today, and, and, and so that we, we don't repeat the same mistakes, you know? We learn from our past, and Mark Driscoll's story is, uh, is a perfect case study in in I, I the narcissistic pastor you know mm. or the 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 the, uh, the abusive abusive church environment if you want to, if you want to study what a, an abusive church environment looks like the Mars Hill story is where where we would point you to you know yeah um i a lot of people have responded no this isn't slander it's journalism okay and there's a difference um hopefully (laughs) right (laughs) um good journalism is not slander it's it's telling the truth yeah and um no i do think history matters and uh recent history matters you know I'm sure we're going to be talking about that with uh, Jesus and John Wayne, yeah. Well, with both of the books, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. So I think this is kind of a good segue, the the fact that Christians need to recognize that history does matter. And I think a lot of these conversations, these difficult conversations, have not been had because, oh, that's slander— uh, you're detracting from the gospel. Well, we it's we the need same, to just read the Bible. It's the Let's same thing that Bible. happened with Robbie Zacharias. Yeah. Um, I mean, different scenarios, but people were saying, we, why, are, why are we talking about this? You know, Because this needs to be brought to light, you know, for right. one. Right. And, and, and also we need to figure out how we move forward from here. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and yeah, and how do, how, do we, how do we guard against things like this happening again? Um, so... That attitude of let's not talk about this stuff because, oh, it detracts from the gospel. We just need to talk about the gospel. We just need to talk about the Bible. Um, I just I want to say the, the Bible's important. The gospel's important. Obviously, I love yes, both we of do, those. We do affirm uh, that. Yeah. But that mentality is stupid. Um, it, it really is stupid because I think we see, and we'll talk about you know with both of these, these books today, how they kind of show how when we don't know our history and we don't talk about our history, um, people get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there are consequences. There are real-life consequences to that kind of thing. And um, so I, I think there's a lot of value to this, um, and I think that Christianity today has done a good job of not making it slanderous, yeah. uh, of just telling the truth from all angles. Yeah. Um, and so, look, could it could it turn south and become some sort of slander fest? Sure, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I can't endorse every episode because every episode hasn't come out yet. But so far, what they've done is really good. Yeah, interestingly, I've actually I've actually heard criticism on the opposite end as well mm-hmm. that that Christianity today is sugarcoating stuff. Yeah, they're which, not going as far as they should. I I don't know what what the truth is there. Right. But, well, um, and, and it's we're an interesting only, perspective. We're less than halfway through the whole show so far. That's so true. Yeah, there's supposed to be 12, 12 yeah. episodes, I think. So anyway, uh, yeah, 
that's uh, that's 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 our sub point for today. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I think you should. Um, I'm gonna check, make sure everything's still going, and then we'll do another intro for reading networks. Okay. Okay. What's our intro for the reading hour? I don't know. We don't really have an intro. Okay, I got one. You want me to say? It? Yeah, sure. Welcome to. The Theology Thursday Reading Hour, an ecumenical space for students to talk about reading books. <laughs> that was a really good intro, Ryan, right off the cuff. Uh, it came from the heart. Yeah. So, hey, uh, this is doubling as our main topic for the main episode this week. Um, however, if you're here on the Patreon page watching Reading Hour and you haven't seen the main episode yet... Uh, Obviously, you don't need to watch the whole thing because there's some there's some double up, there's some crossover, but you should go and check out the subpoint that we did at the beginning. We talked about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I think all of the discussion goes together pretty well. It's all connected. So, here we go. Our first book on the theology th- Thursday reading hour this week. Okay, this is this is available to the general public. See this. This is your preview to what you're missing out if you are not on Patreon, and if you are on Patreon, what's up? You we get, love you. You you get to experience this every month, but yes. we're letting we're letting the general public in on on what you get to experience, but not the whole thing. Don't worry, you've you've paid for this premium <laughs> content, so you're still gonna get a half of it that's just exclusive to you. Yeah, because um, you're special. You're you're so special. Uh, so my book this week this is the one we're gonna we're gonna share with the public. Okay, yeah. Jesus and John Wayne, by Kristen Cobes Dumay. I believe I said it right. She's a historian, uh, a yep. professor at Calvin University, and she wrote a book. So let me ask you questions then. Okay. Uh, so why in the world is it called Jesus and John Wayne? That is a very provocative title. It's a very provocative title. Um, it's also referencing a song that the Gaithers wrote. Okay. I did, did you know that, that there's actually a Jesus and John Wayne song? I only know that because she wrote about it in the book. Yeah, she does She does reference it in the book. I had not gotten to that part yet when I looked up. I was looking up interviews with her, and all of a sudden I just see, oh, this is a song. That's where she got it. And the song. I, so did you listen to the song? I did listen to the song. I, I did not. To the song. I have not listened to the song. It's rough. Um, it's basically uh, about how his mother taught him to be a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of John Wayne. Oh, mix and match. Yeah, it is. Nice. So, so you need to be Jesus, compassionate, loving, kind, but, you know, John Wayne, a little rough around the edges, get the job done. So if that's what the the book title is based off of, what I'm gathering is that the book has to do with Christian masculinity? Yeah, so basically uh, the... John Wayne is used as this kind of archetype for what masculinity um, looks like to white evangelical Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because many, (laughs) as she shows in the book, many uh, white evangelical Christians uh, said as much. You know, they, they, they pointed specifically to John Wayne as an example of what, you know, 
what biblical manhood should look like. This mm-hmm. kind of rugged, get it done. Now, it's a little ironic because John Wayne wasn't a good guy. He was, uh, he not only played racist, misogynistic characters, but that's just who he was in real life. Um, yeah. So, uh, really not somebody that we should look at as a, uh, as a hero. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, racist, misogynistic heroes of the evangelical faith okay yeah. uh, so the book starts out and i think this has been a turnoff for a lot of people the book starts out with her describing a speech that president trump gave um at at a school that she had gone to um i forget what the it was a college i believe that she in her town that she grew up in yeah um, and she's sitting there seeing him give this speech, and it's this infamous speech where he talks about how he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and not get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she starts the book off this way, so immediately most people are like, oh, this is a Trump-bashing book. Well, this so, is a never-Trumper book. So does she have an agenda in the book? Um, Yes and no. I mean, there's obviously a purpose for why she's recounting this history, Mm -hmm. but I really appreciated the fact that the book is that. It is history. Mm -hmm. Um, So while I obviously she has an agenda in that she's trying to show why is it, she basically opens with that scene to sort of pose the question, why is it that evangelical Christians would applaud this man yeah when he's saying these types of things like how did we get here yeah so so 20 2016 through 2020 we've we found ourselves in a weird place in america in evangelicalism um hold on one second let me consult my my partner here um are we about to get really political We're about to get a little bit political, okay? Now we we really avoid being political on this podcast. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, but, but well, yeah, but, but here's the thing: you can't you can't talk about this book without getting into this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's it, this book is inherently political. Um, so, yes. So so yeah, what I was so I'm just gonna go for it then. Okay, go for and it. And you then. could edit this later. Okay, but, but, so, no, you go first. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> we we find ourselves the past four years. We found ourselves in a weird spot where. Evangelical Christians are supporting a man who doesn't represent evangelical Christianity, yet evangelicals believe that this man is the savior of evangelicalism. That's a generalization, you know. Um, I'm just making kind of a blanket statement here, but that seems to be the case for many people, you know. Why do—why is it evangelicals— love Trump not just like his policies right but like his person and that's and that's one thing I would like to clarify before we begin this conversation I understand that there were a lot of well there was a group of evangelical Christians who voted for Trump both times with their noses pitched and just kind of like I got I they felt like they had to because of the policies because they were voting for the policies and for the party. They felt like they were voting for the Republican party. But they did it with their nose closed because they recognized that this isn't a good dude. That he's not a, that he's not a true Christian 
and that he says and does a lot of really awful things. But but they justified it with, okay, we're voting for the policies, we're voting for the platform, but we don't endorse the man. Mm-hmm. There were many, and I know many, evangelical Christians who that was their perspective. Okay? And I want, I want to acknowledge going into mm-hmm. it that if that's where you stood, I can actually understand the dilemma that you were facing and, and, and that decision. Okay? I can actually I can understand. I don't necessarily agree with, but I can understand that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think if that was your line of thinking that you should stick around for the conversation and that you should read this book, okay? However, if you are a Christian that actually defends the person of Trump, that says, no, he's a good Christian man, he's misunderstood, then I don't know that this conversation is going to do you any good because you've already made up your mind and also you're wrong. Uh, I I don't <laughs> have any qualms saying that. And that's why I'm okay yeah. with with getting political yeah um you know we we usually don't do that but i just want to say if you're actually defending the person and the character of trump you're wrong he's not a christian i i hope that that something radical happens in his life and he comes to know jesus but he is a misogynistic race racist um all sorts of of horrible thing like if we're just talking about character that's not something that a Christian can or should defend, okay? I feel totally comfortable saying that on the internet. That's fine, Yeah. <laughs> okay? If you don't like that, then this conversation probably isn't for you because as I've started to see, like, there's not a whole lot of changing people's minds on that if they've already decided that. However, again, like I said, if, you, if it was policies, platforms that you're voting for, but the person is not somebody you, you technically support, then I think this is really valuable. Um, essentially, coming to the conclusion that character matters. Okay. Yeah. And 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 the examples are given. We see um, from. I think it actually starts in the forties, right? It that really she, well. It starts uh, pre World War One. She her first chapter starts that way, but it doesn't really pick up until like yeah World War Two. As she really gets into her her narrative. So kind of going through the decades of this is what white American evangelicalism has looked like over the past few years, and this is why it shouldn't be surprising that there were white evangelicals who praised Trump. Yeah, that so this was years in the decades in the making. So yeah, if we were to summarize, you know, like what what the author is trying to set out in this book is, I think she's trying to answer the question: is why are why do even a, a large chunk of evangelicals seem to love the person of Trump? Yeah, you know. Not talking about his policies, but talking about the person to Trump. You know, why? Yeah, why do they love him? His attitude and his character do not line up with yeah. biblical values or, you know, what, what true yeah. Christianity is. And so, yeah, so she, she, she looks at the history of evangelicalism to trace, to trace that thread to see, you know, this is something that's been developing for decades. Decades. That actually it's been hidden for a long time. But it's it's really been there for a long time, right? Yeah. And and I think it's it was fascinating to me. There were a lot of aha moments, mm-hmm. so to speak, where where I I was like, oh, that's why this was such a prominent part of evangelical culture, or why I was taught this. And when you see the timeline of it, frankly, in the beginning of a lot of the ideologies that. Um, 
whether it's patriarchal or whether it's starting to tie theology and, and evangelicalism into politics, you look at the very beginning of that, um, you had evangelical leaders that were just as bombastic as Trump is. Uh, it, it's really not surprising. I mean, the, some of the things that they said, that they taught, that they wrote in books, that they preached in sermons are just kind of appalling, really. But then what happens is it started to really shape evangelicalism, kind of become the norm. And then you had people who were maybe not as pronounced or bombastic who were teaching these things. People like, say, maybe a John Piper who yeah. were kind of uh, teaching these things. And, 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 and it kind of just became a part of culture. And I started to realize, oh, like my parents' generation grew up believing that this is what it meant to be a Christian, but not having the background for why. They weren't. They weren't. They don't go that far back, where they were hearing some of these preachers and these authors say some of the things. They say. And there's so many examples that you know. Obviously, we we can't get into all of it in this episode. Yeah. But yeah. I think you know we talked about on the subpoint today, the Mars Hill thing with Mark Driscoll. Well, a lot of the problematic teaching that Mark Driscoll had about marriage and sexuality um, came from James Dobson, Tim LaHaye. You know, all these like household names in a lot of evangelical, you know, uh, culture, um, wrote books that were teaching this sort of thing that, um, you know, and, and I guess we'll just talk about that specifically for a second. A lot of, uh, you know, what was taught about the household codes and marriage and, and, and roles in the family and all this kind of stuff. Um, the reason it led to situations like what we see, um, you know, with Mars Hill or, or all sorts of recent allegations of abuse within churches and ministries and things like that is because what was being taught, this was something I was thinking about today, um, what was being taught about marriage is that uh, the woman's purpose is to stay at home and sexually gratify their husband, uh, keep the house, and have children. That's it. Okay? And, and in these books, there's these really unrealistic expectations placed on the woman that like, even if you don't feel like it, even if you're not enjoying it, you need to satisfy your husband sexually or, or he'll go find it somewhere else. And you know, it's just in his nature to do that. So it kind of alleviates the man of any responsibility, um, any expectation of exercising self-control and puts all of this pressure on the woman to essentially be, you know, a lot of these books, when you read what it's asking, to just be a porn star for their husband. Mm -hmm. and, and so we shouldn't be surprised that we start to see these patterns of sexual abuse and different things happen within Christian homes and within ministries and churches because the root of the problem of what purity culture and all these things were trying to address, which is, you know, lust and the objectification of women and all these things, like the root of porn addiction and 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 unfaithfulness in marriage and all this stuff wasn't dealt with because the root of that is the objectification of women yet all these christian marriage books are mm -hmm. still objectifying women they're, they're, they're yeah. still objectifying women they're just saying just do it in the context of marriage so like you just that's an example of one one thing where we we see this issue that oh it's excusable now for somebody like Trump to objectify women and to say and do things that you know are seriously I'm becoming a Christian because we have 
hours and pages of books and sermons that say, well, that's just what men do. I mean, they're they're visual. Boys they don't will have, be boys. They don't have self-control, that sort yeah. of attitude, right? So that's just one of many examples yeah. that this book gives that you're like, man, uh, this was being taught in churches. Yeah. Like, there's books that people read that taught them this mentality that led to this. So this shouldn't really be that surprising. Yeah. I want to zoom out for a second and look at just like the general historical narrative that the author portrays in the book. I think there's three things that she really highlights that contribute or make the evangelical subculture what it is today. Um, the first thing I think that is was absolutely necessary uh, that she that she outlines is there there was <clears throat> I guess what you would call it an evangelical industrial complex that there's actually a whole system uh, of a consumeristic system that evangelical material is produced in so you have you have the books you have the radio shows you have the television shows and you have the Christian bookstores right um, this is that's something that developed out of out of American culture and really evangelical American evangelicalism is very American in that respect. Yeah. Um, it, it's very much consumeristic. And so and anybody who grew up, you know, in the in the before now, I mean, we don't really have Christian bookstores today. I, I don't know of any in the area. But before, maybe 10 years ago, you could find Christian bookstores everywhere and, and look, go walk in a Christian bookstore and see all the material that's in there. And most of it's fluffy stuff, you know. Um, but that's something that developed as early as, 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 as radio, you yeah. know. As soon as, as the radio was coming out, Billy Sunday was having, or whoever was having their Sunday service televised uh, on the radio. And so there was developed this this whole in evangelical industrial I don't know if she uses that phrase um, I don't think in she the does, book but I've heard the phrase I've used heard it before. somewhere um, uh, I, the first time I heard it was the love thy neighborhood podcast okay yeah I've heard I don't know where I heard that from but it, I think it I think it very accurately describes yeah. what evangelicalism is it's this whole it's this whole industry really with right. the books and the Which, TV and the you know produced a lot of the books that I was just mentioning that yes. are very problematic and I and I'll say that most of the content that you see come out of the evangelical industrial complex was far more American than it was Christian. Yes. So so that brings us to our to our other two points. That I think the second one is <clears throat> is that evangelicals have to have somebody to fear or something yeah. to fear. Yeah. And so what we see in in the past hundred years, we've seen several things have been the enemy. Right. The enemy to the church and to the nation. So we have Communism. Communism was maybe maybe the biggest thing that we see we see throughout the Cold War. Obviously, right. um, I'm going to say it. Black people. Yeah. <laughs> and look, there's so many evangelicals were, were against integration. You know, they yeah. they were they're totally for segregation uh, and and Jim Crow laws. Jerry uh, Falwell Sr. being yep. one of them. Yeah. Uh, and so 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 yeah, I would say African American or people of color in general. Um, uh, communism. Uh, feminism, yeah, particularly that was I think scary. I think in, in the '60s and the '70s that really picked up. You got to be afraid of the fem the feminists because the feminists they're communists and they're trying to sub subvert the <laughs> the uh, the nuclear family. Um, in in the uh, in the early 2000s, you have the Muslims. You have to be afraid of the Muslims because the Muslims are trying to take over our country. Right. Today, it would be 
CRT. Yeah, today. Yep, exactly. Yeah. See, if yeah, this um, is, is literally, I would say CRT is the modern equivalent. You yeah, know, it's, it, it's there's got to be somebody that we fear. There's got to be some enemy. And you see that as that happens, the only way to fight these enemies is politics. Right. Okay. And, and so, so Christianity becomes increasingly more and more yeah, political. In all, all of these things become intertwined. Yeah. Right. We have we have to we have to destroy the communists because the communists are trying to take over or trying to sub, to, to subdue the nuclear family. And Jesus is for the nuclear family. Right. And so that's why we need men to be strong and we need to train our kids in these ways to fight communism to protect the family. And the family the family is the foundation of the nation. And that's why we need to get really political you know that's why evangelicals just, have to have to surround uh, be, uh, revolve around you know politics or Republican Party in, in before the book. even reading this book and kind of you know tracing through this history I already was found it bizarre that socialism is like seen as the antithesis to the gospel like I've never right. understood that yeah. Yeah, as yeah, as if socialism existed during Jesus's time, and he spoke out against socialism, right? Yeah, yeah, and that Satan invented it, right? Like yeah. just very bizarre. Okay, so so, but there's a third one. There's oh third yeah, the third one. I would say the third one is somebody to rally behind. Okay, yeah. So a figure, an archetype, uh, a, a politician uh, that that stands for what we believe in. Uh, so, so I mean, we look at the title, Jesus and John Wayne. Um, John Wayne wasn't really a political figure for evangelicals, but it's certainly an archetype to say, that's the kind of person that we want fighting for us. Right, right. And I think the biggest example that we could look at in the book is Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You know, he... he I mean, evangelicals were were disappointed with the previous presidents, Jimmy. Car they were disappointed in Jimmy Carter, and they were more afraid of communism. And Ronald Reagan coming up, they they saw him as the knight in shining armor, yeah. right? That that he was going to protect evangelicals from communism, yeah. and so they quickly rallied behind him, even though. It, Ronald Reagan's Christianity was nominal at best, I'm right. pretty sure. And many evangelicals still hail him as the greatest president we've ever had. I mean, mm -hmm. they still sing his praises to this yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Despite you know, I, I we could point. I don't. I don't know if she talked about this in the book. I can't remember. But despite the human rights violations that that Ronald Reagan took part of, we can look at the history of Latin America and and elsewhere during the Cold War era and see all sorts of terrible things that our, our all of our presidents have really <laughs> partaken in. And right. uh, and and what evangelicals are doing. I and and she talked about this with Richard Nixon. Is that yeah. I remember this Which now. I was shocked. Yeah, to, she, I never, I never realized that there was a huge evangelical following for Richard yeah, Nixon. and at one and point. all this stuff is coming out about the Vietnam War right. and all of this is like this is awful. And evangelicals are just like, we, we don't know what you're we don't see anything, <laughs> you know. And and what well actually what they did is they justified it. They justified the human rights violations because it's for our nation. Right. And it's protecting it's right. protecting so, our kids and Oliver North is another yep. I, I had never even heard of Oliver North till reading this yep. actually. But as as I'm reading this and, and I'm like, oh well so it, it really shouldn't be surprising at all that evangelicals support Trump. Like they've been supporting corrupt people for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, so unfortunately, th- those are the three <clears throat> things that I would look at: the, the 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 evangelical industrial complex, the enemy we have to fight, and the person we have to rally behind. And that's how you get to where we are today. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to learn from it. And I think really what our focus should be is like, okay, so how do we how do we guard against the mentalities, the ideologies, and like just the the mistakes that have been made happening again? And ultimately, what it comes down to is is I, I, one. I think removing ourselves from the evangelical industrial complex, and I I don't know what that looks like, right? Because there's nothing wrong with books in and of themselves. No. I, we're talking <laughs> about books right now. That's the whole point of this show, <laughs> right, right? We're reading books, um, uh, and there that's there's an industry to that. So there's there's going to be you know that's always going to be a little bit of a reality. But church becoming a business becoming a a, just a place for content to be produced rather than for community to happen is a problem and and we need to get away from that i think that uh, yeah i think that you're absolutely correct and what we see in the development of that industry is we see the 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 watering down of true gospel ministry, true true theological integrity. Uh, how do you sell books? How do you how do you sell your Christian living books or or whatever if people don't agree with you theologically and they're like, oh, we're gonna have problems with you? So you just stop talking about theology, you know? Right. Uh, so you you dumb down theology for one, and you you rally behind. We see we rally behind politics. You know, that's something yeah. that people could rally behind. It's tangible. You know. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing is we need to get away from rallying behind people, all right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> really, the only yeah. person that we need to be rallying behind is Jesus himself. And it sounds simplistic. It might sound cheesy, but it's true. Um, and the sermon-centric, the uh, pastor-centric uh, way of doing church I don't think is healthy. Um, we need to, to, to take these people off of pedestals, and we need to be able to have deep theological conversations where they could be wrong or I could be wrong, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, rather than expecting them to know everything and have everything right and to, to feed us all of our thoughts and theology, like, that's not, that's not how, that's not the role of the pastor. That's not how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good book. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a great book. Uh, at times, very hard to read, um, but it's important. And I think, <clears throat> again, a lot of people, oh, that's political. But I, I think part part of the point of the book is that like Christianity should never become this political in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is is the same criticism that the podcast got. Oh, that's slanderous. Uh, that's been said about this author, about Kristen Kobez de Mason. I mean, she's just slanderous. She just wrote a whole book slandering people. Um, and that's not... I. Th- that's not what history is. We, we need right. to... I, I think that that... Um, saying uh, that talking about problems that have happened within the church and within, you know... Uh, character problems with leaders of evangelicalism, calling that slanders so we can brush it under the rug and not talk about it is part of the reason that some of these problems have grown as big as they are. Yeah. Um, and I think also that pastor celebrity pastor mentality where 
No, we. The only truth that we can receive is from people who are teaching us straight from the Bible. Nothing else matters, right? That's also very toxic because history does matter. And, yeah. and I think that's just going to be something we repeat a lot today. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's the running theme from these podcasts to these books, all this stuff, that history absolutely matters and churches need to start listening to historians and philosophers like what they have to say matters and and all truth is god's truth yeah so this mentality that the only things that we we can learn from is the bible and we just got to keep looking to that and not talking about history not talking about um how to interpret history and what's happened and what we can learn from it is foolishness. It really is foolishness. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, the scripture is important, um, but it's not the only thing we can glean truth from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, studying history helps us understand who we are. Yeah, you know. And I think that's lacking in the church. And I think in in some contexts in evangelical culture, it's actually discouraged. Um, and that's why, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of the people who need to hear what this book has to say, you know, have already made up their minds that they're not gonna they're not gonna listen to it. Um, because it's not just a historian; it's a female historian. What? Oh, oh I think that's no. a good segue, actually, into our ah! next book. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, look, it, it got a little controversial today. Some people might be upset. I can't wait to read the comments on YouTube. But um, for those of you who joined us, uh, these w- we're reading a lot of different books and getting to have a lot of these uh, discussions. And uh, we'd love for you to be able to join us. So Tier 2 and Tier 3 Patreons get to join us every month for Theology Thursday Reading Hour. And if you sign up for Patreon right now, you can go listen to the rest of this episode where we talk about the book that Ryan recently read, uh, Making a Biblical Womanhood. So that is exclusively for our Patreons. The rest of you, thank you so much for joining us this week on Theology Thursday. And uh, again, the link, everything's there if you want to continue this conversation uh, and hear the rest of this episode on our Patreon. Yeah, yeet.